0: Welcome, my loveliest listeners. Do I have a treat for you, a combination of horror stories and an old time radio episode straight from the haunting hour. Now mates, I won't do my usual shout out because I have the feeling my power is going to go out due to the heavy rain. So I'm going to jump straight to the titles of today's tales, that's a tongue twister. The White Spider, Servine birth and the hands of Mr. Smith. There is a connection between the first creepy story. And the last story from Haunting Hour. Let me know what you think it is. Ah oh, hell, I just gotta say thanks to those that support me. Power be damned. My graceful white tea warlords Epic Matthew J. Bauer. The brilliant Maya. And damn awesome divided by zero. Thank you for supporting me so much. You make my day every day. My O'Grain Forces, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Cresanto, Mace Joe, Paige Martini, Peter Raffielli, and Michelangelo Yacone. You are the blood that courses through this show's veins. All of you. Thank you so much, you brilliant people. Now before my power carks it, turn your lights off, because mine will do it without my help. The sound up, and let's get comfy. I know this is going to sound insane, okay maybe I am insane, but let me continue. I'm not a believer of anything, no gods, messengers of gods, devils, demons, nothing. On the other hand, I do believe that someone loves me enough to send me a protector. My family and I were cleaning up, and while cleaning, I happened to find a spider on my bed. It was pure white, and it looked so... I can't describe it. But I didn't see any reason to harm it, so I let it stay. It took an interest in me, because from then on, it was in my window. Something about it made me feel at peace. It continued on for months, and eventually, my family has seen it. But as my mother described... It looked holy, like disturbing it would bring something awful. I ignored her rants, but indeed agreed there was something about it. Then, a miracle happened. I was looking at the spider while laying down, and it flailed its arms around. It was a funny sight to me, so I laughed, but something hit me at that instant, saying, Stop laughing. The spider is serious. I have to admit, I was creeped out. Spiders telling me things that were important? What a joke. But the thought kept troubling me, as if it was scolding me by thinking light of the situation. But again, being ignorant, I put it out of mind. As I fell asleep, something visited my dreams. I wish I knew what it was. But it said to me, You were wise not to kill me, and your kindness will pay off. For I am the omen of protection, sent to guard your dreams and life. Something told me to believe this omen, but I wasn't convinced. Don't believe me, do you? I was astonished. But then again, who would believe that when your dreams are just vivid hallucinations? The omen continued. Tomorrow, you're going to nap, but just before you close your eyes... An image will flash before you that will leave your dreams hollow. When this happens, I'll bite you. So that you can warn your family not to sleep until twelve that night. Please heed my warning. I am here to protect you. For someone in the world sent me to protect you, and I will indeed fulfill my purpose. I jolted awake, suddenly afraid of what the day was prepared to bring. Coming home from work, I got ready to rest my eyes, but before I did, an image of my family hung on the wall, skinned alive, bodies roasting, screaming my name. I wanted to get up, but my body was paralyzed, so I was forced to sleep. From then on, things were worse. My dream showed me killing everyone I knew with a smile on my face. In this dream, I cut my sister's fingers off, one by one, then her toes. Then I let her soak in acid, laughing. As for my other sisters, I dragged them and threw them off the bridge into the highway, their bodies breaking on impact. As for my mother and father, I plunged a knife in my mum's face and slid it down her body. While my father was burned over a fire, my cousin was having her face held in boiling water. And my boyfriend, I saved the best for him. I gave him the gift of insomnia. Every time he blinked, he could see, feel, hear nefarious beings come to life and do what they do best kill. This wasn't me. It couldn't be. But then. It cut to me, being imprisoned. Then a person came into my cell, someone whose features looked like mine. She whispered in my ear, You should be thanking me. No one can come in between us now. We'll be together forever. Right? I woke up to a pain unbearable. My neck was bruised really bad. The spider started flailing its arms again, but this time... I could hear her. Now, do you believe me? Your sisters are tired, and your parents as well. If you don't save them, all could be horrific. I tried to the best of my ability to stop them, and I prevailed. But the spider told me to do one more thing. Go to sleep, and you'll dream again the same dream. But when she comes to visit you, Address her name three times, and I'll take over. I couldn't possibly think of going through that again, but I had to trust the spider. Something told me to. As I went through the horror again, I end up imprisoned. She comes to me again. I stop her in her tracks by saying her name. Rebecca. How did I know her name? She was as astounded as I was. Then her dialogue changed. So you do know it, do you? I thought you'd forgotten all these years, leaving me behind when you wanted to face the world. I was there for every bad and good thing that happened to you, Renee. And now you say my name. Too bad. It's too late. Rebecca, I say again. She begins to look distorted now. You should stop saying my name, Renee. In one instant, I can make your family alive and let them feel what i felt for so long. Friends don't forget friends, Renee. But you forgot. In the real world, your family is safe. Until I escape, then their lives will be a living hell. You forgot me. And for that, they shall be punished. For your actions. It's too late, Renee. Too late. She was messing with my head now. Apparently, I knew her. But I felt her pain. So I let her have it. Rebecca, I'm sorry for forgetting you. You were my best friend. But it wasn't my fault. The doctors had to make me forget you. Best friends forever, I promise. Now I remember. Me and Rebecca were the best of friends, from birth. And then she died of sickness. I was so distraught, I made her exist in my mind. But then my parents decided to get rid of her once and for all. How could they? I loved her, and they took her away from me. Rebecca weakened and cried and my chains loosened. I walked over to hug her, and when she was in my arms, she disappeared. I heard the words, I'll live in your heart always. When I woke up, it was a beautiful morning, and the spider was nowhere to be found, but a note was left. Renee. I took care of her. She's imprisoned in my heart, and will no longer haunt your dreams, Or make nightmares into a reality. I am sad to say. I had to sacrifice myself for your family. But you shall always be blessed. Always in your peace of mind. I was horrified. She took my twin away. My one friend. For that she will pay. But not before my parents. I will carry out what she put in my head she would be proud of me. Hey mum, do you know what my twins think of you? I'd like to tell you and show you how she felt when you put her out of my head. In 2009, An amateur video artist studying in the UK uploaded a video onto YouTube of a recent piece he had completed. After many reports and complaints, the video was taken down. The piece allegedly begins with a lingering shot of a foggy meadow that some believe to be located in Ireland. The only sound throughout this shot is a light hissing and what sounds like muffled, unintelligible speech. The camera starts zooming in on a white shape in the field. After several tedious minutes, the shape reveals itself to be an albino deer. A close-up shot of its eyes suddenly appears, showing signs of infection and possibly the beginning stages of blindness with them. The following shot is a scene of the deer staring at a vanity mirror for about a minute. After this, the piece takes a turn for the bazaar, with the deer in the reflection moving in dissonance with the real one. Zooming in, the camera focuses on the deer in the reflection, which has begun to move about in an unnatural and grotesque fashion, as if something was molding it like a piece of clay. As these unnerving contortions continue, the camera zooms out, showing a shot of the real deer lying on the ground. People had described the deer looking strangely at peace. The shot goes on for roughly two minutes. The reflection is still twisting and gesticulating, but the mirror itself seems to be growing darker. The deer lying on the ground then starts to excrete a dark liquid from under its tail, suggesting that a birth is about to occur. The tar-like substance continues to bubble and seep out of the deer, and onto the ground. This is the point where many people claim to have stopped watching it. Some accounts vary on what happens next, but many describe a scene where a stillborn, humanoid infant is birthed from the deer covered in the dark, tar-like sludge that makes it hard to describe exactly what it looks like. Some have claimed it was a model of a human-animal hybrid put together by the artist for the sake of this film, A blurry close-up shot of the hybrid's face is seen for a few seconds before it cuts back to the mirror, now broken. Within the same field from the beginning, black and white stock footage of an audience applauding is shown in slow motion, and then the film ends with a five-minute shot of a black screen accompanied by unintelligible murmuring slowly fading in volume. Many say that the film can no longer be found online, while others say that the audio track is sometimes circulated around file-sharing programs like BitTorrent. There are even some who claim to have attained the film itself through such means, occasionally screenshots surfacing on image boards and other such sites, but the film itself has hardly been seen since its initial debut. A year later, the artist posted another video on YouTube, this time, It was just five minutes of a black screen and silence, with just a link to a webcam site in the description to serve as evidence. Viewers describe seeing a pair of dangling pale feet slightly rotating above a knocked over chair. The creator of the video, Servine Birth, is best known for this shocking final piece but many are not as aware of his earlier works, which are similar in terms of content and style. Shot in black and white, the piece often referred to as Foxtrot was created in early 2005. The film begins with a shot of a moonlit forest, with a slow fade to the beginning of the first scene. A gaunt, malnourished looking fox is seen staggering through the forest, wailing and crying out in a haunting voice. With what appears to be a noose tied around its neck. The camera follows the rope to the end, where the fox's cubs can be seen dragging behind. It isn't certain whether the cubs are dead or not. The film cuts to a brief shot of the crescent moon as it slowly devolves into a shapeless blur. The soundtrack for the film so far has consisted mostly of the fox's wailing and a wailing musical track many describe as unnatural and unnerving. It cuts to a clearing in the forest. The fox is seen ambling towards the centre, still dragging her young behind her. The music gradually fades into silence as the fox is curling up on the ground, getting ready to die. After a few moments, with nothing but her final breaths breaking up the silence, a close up of her face is shown. Her eyes are still glimmering under the moonlight. A pair of small, pale, Childlike hands start to caress her face. More small hands start showing up in the shot before the camera slowly zooms out to show much of the fox's body being covered in caressing hands and arms. The shot flickers out a few times before cutting to the interior of a darkened household. The camera slowly makes its way into a dining room where a family of corpses is shown decaying in their seats. On the table is the same box, but this time it is alive and healthy, tending to her cubs. Close up shots of the body follow, revealing them to possess wounds, indicating a possible mass suicide. In the closing shot, a moth is seen fluttering about a dangling light bulb in a dark room when a hand that can only be described as animal like reaches up and shuts it off. And this concludes Servine Birth.
1: The Hand of Mr. Smith Midnight, an alleyway and ominously quiet, in the dimly lighted factory district on the outskirts of a big city, in the black shadows, two men wait. Their hats pulled down over their eyes. Their hands tense in their overcoat pockets. Suddenly, one of the men leans forward in the velvet darkness to peer down the deserted street. I. I don't see him, Russ. He'll be along. I can hardly wait to get my hands on that doe. Yeah. Hey, look, Russ. My hands. The way they're shaking. Take it easy, Tiny. <laughs> it's funny. Every time I wait and I stick up a guy, my mitts get shaken like this. You keep them paws under control? Oh, sure, sure. I'm not kidding. Oh, I won't do nothing. I won't touch the guy. Remember that. But why don't he come, Russ? Get back here. But where is he? I can see the factory door, but he ain't come out yet. Get back here, I said. Okay, okay, okay. Listen. A car's coming. Cops. Huh? Police car. A couple of lousy cops. Shut up. Maybe they'll spot our car. Maybe they'll stop and start looking around. I said shut up. Look, they're going by. They ain't stopping. Stand still. Uh, They turned a corner. That's better. Gee, now my hands are shaking worse than ever. I told you to keep them big paws quiet. I'm trying to, Russ. A guy can't do more now. i do do it. When this cashier comes along, keep your hands in your pocket, and you won't be tempted. I'll remember. I won't touch him, Russ. Here he comes. Are you sure? That's him. He's all alone. He just came out of the factory. He's carrying something. A paper bag. He's got the dough in a paper bag. Uh, this is one trip to the bank he ain't never going to finish. Now, uh, okay, Mister, get him up. Well, uh, who are you? Get him up, the man said. Take a bag, Tiny. Don't shoot. I, I won't yell. <laughs> he won't yell. He says. Take that bag, Tiny. You sap. I don't like this guy. Keep your hands down, Tiny. <laughs> Give me that bag. Sure. I-, I said I would. How much is in here? Three thousand dollars. Three thousand. Listen, you punk.
2: Stop.
1: And me. Oh. Cut it out, Tiny. But only three thousand. He said. Stop. You joke. I don't like you. Let go away, him, tiny. But I don't like him. He looks like the guy in the big house. I give him the money. Yeah, and I've given you something. Stop, Tiny. let go around like your coat. Yeah, this guy won't stand still. I'm in Okay. Okay. I'll let him go. You killed him. Huh? You kill him, you sap. He's dead. But he looked just like that guard that slugged me. Get in the car. We're going to leave him here? Get in the car, I said. Where's the door? I got it. Get in. Move. Address him laying there. Suppose them cops come back. Shut the door. We're getting out of here. going? This ain't the way of the apartment. We're not going to the apartment. Oh, well, why not? I told Claire I'd bring the money home tonight. Keep watching that rearview mirror. Well, there ain't no cops on our trail. But where are we going? We're right? ditching this car, you dope. Oh, yeah. Sure, we don't need this hot jalopy no more tonight. I thought I told you to keep your hands off that cashier. Oh, now listen, we Russ. We had I... this stick up in the bag, but you had to go and scrag the guy. I didn't mean to kill him, but there was something about him once I up my mitts on his throat. I know. You can't make those big paws behave. I'm sorry, Russ. I had my rod on him. All you had to do was take the bag, get in the car while I knocked him cold, and we had smooth sailing. I said I was sorry, Russ. You're always sorry. But look. Look, we got the three grand, didn't we? We're in the clear. Nobody saw us. Nobody heard us. What do you mean, us? I didn't kill him. Hey. What's the matter? Back there. I think a prowl car just turned the corner. Oh. Is it? Uh, no. That ain't no proud car. Just a black sedan like this one. They pulled up the curb. We'll turn off at the next corner, brain. Plenty deserted around here. Why don't we stop here? Go on a little further along. where it's darker. Yeah, Claire's going to wonder what's happened. I said I'd be at the apartment by half past twelve. Well, no, soon enough. Yeah. Uh, where till I show her the three grand we got? Uh, where till she hears about the murder? Oh, I won't tell her tonight. No, she can read it in the morning papers. You know, we're getting kind of far out of town. When are we going to stop? Right here. I'll go off the road. Okay. I'll leave her here. Yeah, that's a good spot. (laughs) Not even a house in sight. Uh, Give me your gun, Tiny. My gun? Your gat. Give it to me. But what for? To keep you out of trouble. Oh, now, listen, Russ. Now, we're leaving this car. We're walking to the nearest bus line. If there's a cop on the bus and he looks at you twice, you're going to start shooting, so oh. hand over your rod. Okay, here it is. That's better. And now, Tiny, give me the money. Huh? The paper bag with the money. Hand it over. Hey, what is this? Give me the money, Tiny. Oh, sure, here yeah, it is. Come on, now let's get out of this car. Sit still. Yeah. You're staying here. Is it? Hey, wait a minute. Keep those hands quiet. Hey, Russ, watch that gun. You're pointing it right at me. You said it. I'm washed up with you and so is Claire. With it? Claire? Yeah, Claire, your wife. She's fed up to the teeth. So am I. You and Claire? Oh. So that's why you didn't drive the apartment. That's why you came way out here. You and Claire are crossing me up. I... You're figuring I'm bumping me off? That's right. Give me that gun. You bet I will. <laughs> oh, Rush, I'll get you for this. I'll get Claire and you if I have to dig my way out of my own grave.
3: We've got to beat it, Russ We've got to pack up and beat it out of here tonight What? At two
1: o'clock in the morning? Not on your life We're staying here until this whole thing blows over
3: That cashier Maybe the cops have found him already They're bound to find him soon They're bound to find Tiny What of
1: it, Claire? They can't connect it up with you and me
3: I'm scared, Russ Suppose Tiny wasn't dead Suppose he drove the car back here to the apartment somehow.
1: <laughs> you must believe in ghosts.
3: He said he'd get us, didn't he? He said he'd get us if he had to dig his way out of his own grave. Oh,
1: I shouldn't have told you that.
3: Come on. Let's get out of here.
1: Nothing doing, Claire. We're staying right here. Come on, baby. Unlock the trunk.
3: The trunk? Sure.
1: We'll hide the dough in your trunk until this whole thing blows over. Come on, honey. Unlock it.
3: It is unlocked.
1: hmm is- <laughs> lid is kind of huh? There we are. I'll shove this three grand under all these clothes.
3: Those are Tiny's clothes. Oh, come on.
1: Relax, Claire. Now, let me lock it. Please! <laughs> What's the matter?
3: You've locked the trunk. Oh, well, sure. But Tiny has the only key. He always carries it with him. Well, what
1: about it? We'll get another one. I'll have a new one made tomorrow. What was that? Sounded kind of like glass breaking.
3: Was he in the apartment somewhere?
1: Maybe it wasn't.
3: I'm sure it was. It sounded like it came from the bathroom.
1: Well, let's find out. Wait a minute. What for?
3: Have your gun ready. My gun? That window in the bathroom. Maybe Tiny climbed up the fire. Oh, will you
1: forget Tiny? He's dead, I tell you. Come on. Find out what that noise was. There, you see? There's no one in the bathroom.
3: The window's open. I closed it and locked it tonight before you and Tiny left. Oh, now
1: listen, Claire.
3: Look. Look, there on the window. What's the matter now? Blood. Blood on the windowsill. Yeah. And here, on the floor, more of it. I tell you, Tiny did come back. He drove that car back here, climbed the fire escape, and he's hiding here in the apartment, waiting to kill us. Quiet, Claire, quiet. I'm getting out of here. Oh, no,
1: you're not. You go find down the street at this time of night. Some cop will pick you up as sure as my name's Rogers.
3: But that blood on the sill, on the floor, the window open. Oh,
1: wait a second. Oh, this stuff on the floor, this isn't blood.
3: Of course it's blood.
1: Oh, Clay, you're wrong. Look. Look, look, look. There, under the bathtub. What is it? A bottle. bottle. A little bottle of that stuff you paint your nails with.
3: I kept that bottle on the window, sir. All
1: right, okay. So the wind, something blew it off. That's what we heard. This bottle breaking. That's what made those spots in here.
3: Listen. Police car. It sounded like it. under the bed. Come on Come on, let Suppose they followed Tiny here. Suppose he drove the car back Will here. Will you
1: stop talking about Tiny? Put lights. What for? Put out the lights, Claire.
3: All right. Come on.
1: Think under this window shade and see where that police car is.
3: Are they out front?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they are. Two cops in front of the building.
3: What are they doing?
1: There. They're looking at a car. What car? A black sedan. parked in front
3: of a building. You said the car you used tonight was a black sedan.
1: All right. There's a million black sedans in this country, Mike.
3: But why are the cops looking at the one out front? Why are they putting their flashlights on the running board? Why are they looking inside? How do I know? Because Tiny drove it here. He isn't dead. You didn't kill him. He drove that car back here. Climbed the fire escape and he's in the apartment somewhere waiting to get it. Somebody at the door. What are you going to do? Open up. please.
2: Open up, Smith. We want in.
1: story. The Hands of Mr. Smith. The midnight robbery of a cashier by two gunmen, Russ Rogers and Tiny Smith, developed swiftly into murder. Tiny, a powerful man with enormous hands, seized the cashier by the throat and killed him. Rogers, furious at his partner's stupidity, then shot Smith and left him in the black sedan in which they had made their getaway. With the stolen money, Rogers hurried to Smith's apartment. There, with Smith's wife, Claire, he hid the money in an old trunk. Suddenly, a police siren sounded outside the building. Then the buzzer to the Smith's apartment hummed like an angry bee.
3: Somebody's at the door.
1: Open up, Smith. Police. What are we going to do? On the lights. You're going to give yourself up? Let me handle this. Put on the lights. Okay. Open up in there, Mr. Smith. We want Uh, uh, in. Just a minute. I'm coming. Uh, You folks are heavy sleepers. What's the matter, Hobbes? There's a black sedan parked in front of the building with a lot of blood on the running board. Blood? Yeah. All over the running board and a lot more inside. Well, what's it got to do with us? We don't own a car. You don't, huh? No. Maybe you know whose car it is, then. Take a look out the window. I already did. I thought you just got out of bed. I did. I heard the siren out front, came in the living the, living room, and looked out the window. I went back to put on some clothes to go downstairs and find out what it was all about. Who owns that car out front? I don't know. I never saw it in my life before. Hmm. Where's the janitor this joint? Janitor? All well, right. Probably. Mr. Monks
3: and his wife live in the basement. There's
1: nobody home.
3: Sometimes the monks stay overnight with Mrs. Monks' sister. She lives over in Glendale somewhere.
1: Do the monks own a car?
3: Not that I know of.
1: Hmm. Who lives in the apartment above this one? Uh, 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 let's
3: see. Uh, An old bachelor. A man named Weaver. Maybe that black
1: sedan belongs to him. We wouldn't know. Okay, folks. Sorry to get you out of bed at this time in the morning. That's all right, officer. I'll go up and talk to this Weaver guy. Uh, maybe that uh, stuff on the running board ain't blood, eh? Yeah. Huh? Blood, all right. Good night. Good night, officer.
3: You're lying to me, Russ. That black sedan out front is the one you killed Tiny. Now, listen, Claire. Tiny didn't die. He drove the car back here. Oh, I here. tell
1: you, you're nuts. Tiny's dead. That car in front of the building only looks like the one I I, I used
3: tonight. Then how do you explain the blood on the running board? How do you explain the blood inside? I
1: can't explain it.
3: I can Because it's the car you shot Tiny in. He came back here. He's hiding in the apartment somewhere, waiting to kill us. He said he'd dig his way out of his own grave to get it. Oh,
1: what a sap I was, to tell you
3: that. Let's get away, Russ. Let's beat it out of here. And leave
1: that three grand locked in the trunk? Uh Uh-uh.
3: Why did you have to lock that trunk? I told you Tiny had the only key. Then I told you I'd have another key made in the morning. I heard it. Somebody's out in the kitchen.
1: Oh, don't be a sap. There's no one in this apartment but you and me.
3: Then what was that noise?
1: I don't know. Probably the cat knocked over something on the kitchen table.
3: There it is again. I tell you, Tiny's here. Tiny's dead. He's dead. Do you hear me?
1: In that car two miles away.
3: Wait. Where are you going?
1: I'm going out in the kitchen.
3: Don't leave me alone. I'm not
1: leaving you alone. You're coming with me. Maybe you believe in ghosts. I don't. Come on.
3: Look. Look in the bedroom. Oh, I...
1: It... it can't be. That, that's impossible.
3: I knew it. I knew he'd come back.
1: But it can't be. It, it can't be tiny. We're seeing things.
3: Why doesn't he say something? Why doesn't he do something? Why
2: does he just lie there on the bed?
1: I'm going in the bedroom.
2: No. Don't
1: go near I'm going to get the key to that trunk.
2: Don't touch him, Russ. Don't go near him. But
1: Tani has the key. You told me I got to get it out of his pocket. We'll get the money and beat it.
2: He... He's breathing. Shh. I... I can't look. All right.
1: Steady now. I'll slip my hand in his pocket. I got it. Got the key. Hello, Russ. Oh, good go of my wrist. I said I'd come back, Russ. Let's go of my wrist. Drop the key. Claire, Claire, get the gun out of my back pocket. A gun won't help you, Russ. You ought to know that now. You're breaking my wrist. Then drop the key on the bed. Okay, okay, I dropped it. That's <sighs> my pal. Claire, Don't come near him, Claire. Take the key, Claire. Don't come near him, I tell you. Pick up the key. Come around on the other side of the bed and get it. Yes, Tiny. You've always been a good wife, Claire. Take the key. The money we got tonight belongs to you.
3: Tiny, with this money, we can all get away.
1: Sure we can. Pick up the key. Don't be afraid. All right. I will. Now... Stop. Me. Now we're all together again.
2: Your hand is breaking my
1: wrist. We're all together again. You and me and Russ. Russ why
2: don't you do
1: something? Yeah, Russ. Why don't you do something? I can't even move. <laughs> These big hands of mine are better than a gun. They can hold you two here, maybe forever. Go on, monks. The again. Ah, Dora, it's only eight o'clock in the morning. The Smiths don't get up this early. We'll get him up. I'm going to find out about this. I'm going back downstairs and finish my breakfast. You are not. You're the janitor of
2: this building and you're supposed to know what's going on with the tenants.
1: Ah, that don't mean i got to wake him up and ask him foolish questions.
2: I want to know if the man we heard about on the radio is our Mr. Smith. It can't be.
1: How do you know?
2: Go on, go on. Push uh, the
1: button. We've had enough trouble last night over to your sister's house. Why go
2: looking for more? This ain't looking for trouble. If it was him, we got to know sooner or later, and I want to know now. They sure going to be mad. I want to know, that's all. You never can tell the tenants. Who'd think that mild old Mr. Weaver was the kind to go out hunting wild, animals? Ah, that's different. All right, all right. Stop the buzzer, Monks.
1: you buzz long enough to wake the dead. They're crying out loud, Dora. This is a fine way to start the day. I haven't Try had... the door. Uh, I haven't... Uh... The door,
2: Monks. Go on, try it. Maybe it's unlocked.
1: All right. <laughs> Hey, it is unlocked.
2: Well, open, open it. Go on in.
1: Hey, I got the lights in the living room all turned on.
2: I knew it. I tell you, there's something wrong with them. We're
1: <gasps> crying out loud. Do you see what I see, Dora?
2: Money. It's money laying all over the floor.
1: They must have been storing that money in that trunk. Look, it's open.
2: Yeah. Some money inside of it, too.
1: But the Smiths never had so much money.
2: Mm, as far as we knew. Ah, there was always something fishy about them Smiths. And their friend, too, Mr. Rogers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What are we going to do? What's that? There's someone in the bedroom. It, it, it don't sound like Mr. Smith.
2: No. No, that's not Mr. Smith. Uh, come on, let's get out of here. Are you crazy? We're going to find out what's the matter here. We're going into that bedroom. Now, now,
1: now, now. Be careful, Dora. There's no telling who it is. Oh!
2: Wait, wait. Don't come over there. It's
1: Mr. Rogers.
2: Yes. What in the world happened to him? Listen.
1: Listen to what he's saying. with oh, blood all over it. That was Tiny's car. He
2: came back. Oh, you must have seen Mr. Weaver's car outside with all the blood on it. You'd better tell that old gentleman he's scare any other tenants. None of our business if he wants to go off shooting wild animals, but to bring them home dripping blood, it's enough to scare the wits out of anyone. Blood
1: dripping. It was tiny blood. Uh, uh, now, Mr. Rogers, that was deer blood. <laughs> Mr. Weaver's upstairs went hunting yesterday. No, make them let me go. Make them take the cuffs off. Uh, cuffs? I mean, did it. He clamped me to the bed. Uh, you're not clamped to the bed, Mr. Rogers. Your sleeves caught in the rod at the edge of the bed.
2: You couldn't hair. He didn't have white hair when he was here yesterday.
1: Uh, what happened, Mr. Rogers? What happened to you? He did it. He put his hands around her throat. Stiney he did it. Oh, he
2: dotted his head. Dora, it's...
1: What? It's true. On the other side of the bed, Mrs. Smith. She's on the floor. Well, maybe... Maybe she's it, No. No, no, there's marks on the neck. Hey, Rogers, cut the act. Maybe you killed her. he did it. With his hands on her throat, make him get off the bed. Make him get off the bed and open these cups. Make him get off the bed.
2: There's no one on the bed, Mr. Rogers.
1: Don't lie to me. I can see him. He's right in front of me, lying on the bed.
2: But, Mr. Rogers, the bed's empty. The spread hasn't even a wrinkle. But
1: is. I see him. I see him. It's tiny, I tell you. It couldn't be Mr. Smith.
2: Even if something was there, it couldn't be Mr. Smith.
1: It couldn't? No, he was killed. Police found him with four bullets in him. He was in a black sedan, they said. Uh, we heard it on the radio this morning. They found him dead about two miles from here.
2: Yes, they described him on the radio, too. And we knew it was Mr. Smith. <sighs> lied about half past twelve last night. Yeah, they,
1: they said he had big hands, like Mr. Smith. <laughs> but the funny thing is, he had
2: a key in his hand. A key? Yes, Mr. Rogers, a trunk key. A little trunk key in one of his great big hands. <laughs> <laughs>
1: From shadows and stillness, mystery weaves a spell of strangest fascination, charging the mind with doubts and fears. For mystery is a strange companion, a living memory in the haunting hour.
0: Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the combo of stories tonight, a healthy mix of weird and strange, with a dose of old school class from the Haunting Hour. Did you figure out what the link was? Let me know what you think, I'm always keen to find out. Thank you again for listening, I'm going to rug up and keep warm whilst I weather this weather. Stay brilliant, which isn't hard for you lot, and as always, till next, we meet.